0: Well, man, I'm ready to teach. We're in a series called Air Force, and we're going to be sitting in this series until Easter. Um, And uh, Easter, I'm starting a new series, and I can't wait to share that with you. Um, We're we're adding a couple of services for Easter. I don't know if we're going to need them because y'all got me confused after COVID. So I don't know if y'all come or not, so I don't know. But just in case we don't ever want to turn anybody away, we're going to have a service here at 5 p.m. on Saturday and 9 a.m. on Sunday. Does that make sense? So we'll be here at 9 a.m. on Easter Sunday, but we also have a service at 5 p.m. Saturday before Easter. And typically we would always have a Saturday service on Easter to make room for people who only come on Easter to get into the church on Sunday. Does that make sense? So I'm asking, as I do every year, those of you who are spiritually mature enough or not tied to your preferences to say, you know what, I can worship him the same on a Saturday evening as I can on a Sunday morning to make sure that that person that's only coming to church once a year is not stuck in an overflow, but they can get in this room and get some of this Jesus, okay? So when you come on Saturday evening, you're helping us make room for those people on Sunday morning because all it takes is one time for them to have the right, don't mess with me (laughs) all it takes is one time for them to have the right encounter with Jesus so thank you so much in advance for that I'll be speaking at all of them so it's the same message so you won't miss anything Um, Luke 11 verse number 5 says this then Jesus said to them suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say friend lend me three loaves of bread A friend of mine uh, on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are already in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. This ends the reading of God's word. I want to tag a title to this text in our time together today. I want to talk from this subject Don't stop until you get enough. <laughs> Don't stop till you get enough. As we ease into this introduction today family, I want to expose and address an emotional and emotional epidemic that I think has been extremely impactful yet frequently underemphasized. It's an epidemic that's become a weapon that's being wielded by the enemy to diminish our peace, destroy our productivity, and damage our purpose. It's an epidemic that is ubiquitous. It is incessant and it is often undiagnosed. Family, I'm simply referring to something called settling. Somebody say settling. Settling, settling listen to, to me, here's a definition, is intentionally. or unintentionally accepting a state of existence that is inconsistent with God's intentions. It's when you look at scripture, hear sermons, get exposed to ideas that show you what God desires for you, but you refuse to pursue it. Because you don't think you deserve it, or it isn't possible for you to achieve it. Settling. It's accepting the wilderness when you could have Canaan. It's accepting good when great is possible. It's accepting surviving when we could be thriving. It is a state of existence that the enemy desires to keep us in because settling not only impacts us individually, settling also assassinates our assignment. Settling isn't just about us being stuck and stagnant. Settling is about us being ineffective in what we were called and created and commissioned to do because fulfilling your purpose requires reaching your potential. You can make a difference without reaching your potential but you cannot make your difference. Did you hear what I just said? we can make a difference without reaching our potential but we can't make our difference without reaching our potential and ladies and gentlemen your purpose isn't just making a difference your purpose is making your difference and we can't do that settling And I want to tell you that the same devil that's behind greed is the same devil that's behind settling. The same devil that causes people to want too much. Are y'all okay this morning? Online, put some fire in the chat and help me. I said the same devil that causes us to want too much is the same devil that causes us not to want enough. (laughs) The same devil that is behind attitudes of arrogance is the same devil that's behind attitudes of inadequacy. And inadequacy has destroyed just as many destinies as arrogance. When you look throughout scripture and examine the lives of individuals that God used greatly, specifically those in the Old Testament, you will find that in order for them to accomplish their assignment, they had to allow God to talk them out of inadequacy when God called Moses, I'm talking about the Moses that raised his hand and stretched out his staff and parted the Red Sea. I'm talking about Moses who is the infamous one that God revealed himself to and used him in miraculous ways. I'm talking about the man Moses. I'm talking about Prince of Egypt Moses. When God called that Moses, Moses said to that God, I can't do it. Come on, talk to me now. I said... God, that Moses said to God I can't I'm slow of speech I'm a background guy I don't do the front I'm not comfortable speaking I'm doing good where I am when he called Jeremiah Jeremiah said I'm but a youth I don't have the experience I'm too young to do that. When he called Gideon, Gideon said, "I don't have a family background." You know my family? Come on, that's what he said. He said, "You know my family?" He said, "I'm the weakest in my family." The same devil behind sin is the same devil behind settling. I'm about to say something that's strong, but I'm going to back it up. So buckle up. Somebody put in the chat, buckle up. Come on. Sir. Buckle up. Somebody say it. Buckle up. God hates sin. Not sinners. Sin. Because he hates sin what it does to those he loves do you understand what I'm saying if something is destroying somebody you love you don't like that either so so God hates sin Are y'all ready you buckled up but he also hates settling He said through John on the Isle of Patmos in the book of Revelation, he said, I'd rather you be hot, come on, am I in the book or cold? He said, if you are lukewarm, I spit you out. Are you with me or not? Are you for me or not? Do you want it or not? Before Jesus performed a miracle in John 5 with a man who had been lame, immovable, immobile for 38 years, he asked him, do you want it? Do you want to be made whole? And I need to pause for the cause on this first Sunday in April 2022 and ask you, do you want it? (laughs) Do you want another level? Do you want more joy? Do you want more peace? Do you want God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask or think? Do you want him to open doors no man can shut? Do you want him to close doors no man can open? Do you want him to show you that you can be more than a conqueror? And I believe I'm talking to some people in this room who say, I want it. That's why I got up and came here in the rain. Cause I want it. That's why I invited some people and they didn't want to come. But I said, I'll go if I have to go all by myself because I want it. And I want it so bad I can't stand now being around people who don't want nothing. I love you, but please excuse me because I want everything God's got for me. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it I cried too much not to want it I fought through too much not to want it I'm not going to make you feel bad because you don't want it so don't you judge me because I do want it I want it I want to revisit this definition because notice the operative words here. Settling is intentionally or unintentionally. It means that it is possible to settle and not know it. Did you hear what I just said? This is why the prophet Hosea says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because one of the things the enemy wants to do is to keep God's people in the dark. Darkness being a metaphor for ignorance. He, the devil don't want us to know what's possible. Did you hear what I just said? It, it, it's something I call the law of exposure. What's that? Once God exposes you to something, you can't be unexposed and that was the devil's biggest mistake with some of you who are watching this today the devil's biggest mistake is letting you see something he should have never let you see Once he let you see that you could have more Once he let you see that you could be more Once he let you see that you could accomplish more He has no idea He ruined you And now your appetite is no longer satisfied With what it used to be satisfied with. Let me just speak this over somebody's life I'm just going to speak this over somebody's life. By faith, I'm telling you, God is about to show you what he showed you. You got it. Somebody missed it. I said, but you got it. I said, God is about to show you what he showed you. He showed you in here with these eyes. But now he's getting ready to show you up here with these eyes. Your eyes are getting ready to see what your eyes hadn't seen. He getting ready to show me. That's why I'm praising him. Because I see something. (laughs) It's possible to unintentionally settle. Don't say amen. This is the one part of the message. I don't want you to say amen because I don't want you to judge anybody. But have you ever been in one relationship and then you got in another relationship? And then once you got in that other relationship, you were like, I ain't even know. You could be this happy. Okay. Let me go to this side. The, come on. Let, let me talk to the camera. Yeah, come on now. Have you, you ever been in And then you realize you're like. You mean I don't have you mean I don't have to take that? Oh, you should have never let me get exposed to that because now I will never take anything less than this again in my life. God's like, you think I put all this stuff in the Bible to show you what you can't have? You think I put Red Seas pardon, in the Bible? Jericho walls pardon, in the Bible? Men uh, surviving fiery furnaces? Daniel coming out of the lions? Then you think I put all of that in the Bible to show you what you can't have? You think I showed you all of that for you to settle? But it's possible to unintentionally settle. It's possible to unintentionally settle spiritually. Well, we have a relationship with God that gets us to heaven, but doesn't significantly bring any change on earth. I mean, you're a Christian. But it's settling. It's I'm saved, but I'm not stable. So when any adverse winds blow, it blows me out of focus. It, it, it blows me out of a good mental space into a bad mental space. It's, it's, I'm spiritual, watch this. I'm spiritual, but my spirit or my attitude, when I say that my spirit, my attitude, my spirit though, my spirit is determined not by the God that's in me, but by the stuff that's going on outside me so I say God's in control but really the person at work control my mood so they got to have a good day for me to have a good day the devil is a liar cause if you controlling all of that about me I have made you my God but my my ancestors said it this way God is good all the time and all the time god is good so as long as god is good he's going to work everything together for my good i can't let you control my whole day now god give me bless me with 24 hours and you do something in 24 minutes and i'm gonna let you have the rest of my day you can't i I, (laughs) I can't give you that much power. I love you, but I don't even love you that much. To let you have my whole day, you having a bad day, and now you're about to ruin my whole day? Now I'm getting ready to say something. You you put it in the chat. Buckle up. Say say buckle up. I'm just telling you, this is something one of my mentors told me. I'm not going to say who it is. This is something one of my mentors said, told me. Some of you have to get to that place when it comes to your grown kids. They turning up and they happy. So y'all know come on y'all not talking to me I say they turn it up and they as happy as they can be they destroying their future and they as happy as they can be and you raise them to the best of your ability you covered them with prayer you tried to put them in the right environment to succeed but just like we have our own mind and we can disobey our heavenly father they have their own mind and they can disobey their earthly parents and they are turning up and they happy. And you at home and your whole life ruined. And they happy. See, I'm gonna pray some sense back into you. But I can't stay in a pity party just because you want to keep partying that the most important thing I did in my life was raise you but God didn't make me in this earth just to raise you I got some other things to do besides raising you now I'm going to pray some sense into you and when you get some sense I'm going to be here but until then you can't have my whole life I just set somebody free in here today You know this is something I've noticed Donna is it's a little bit scary that Christians are so unaccustomed to hearing what the Bible has to say about anything besides your moral behavior when somebody actually gives you a biblical worldview in church you can be offended that's how the Bible has so much to say about everything But when the majority of what you're hearing is what you should say and shouldn't say, where you should go and what you shouldn't go, what you should do and what you shouldn't do, I'm not saying that's incorrect. It's just incomplete. Settle. You can settle spiritually. You can settle emotionally. We can settle financially. but I believe I'm talking to some people who are sick of settling. And if you're sick of settling, our our foundational text in Luke chapter number 11 gives us some amazing insight, guys. Some amazing, some amazing insight. Luke 11 teaches us this. Y'all ready for this? If you settle in prayer, you settle in life. Luke 11, if you settle in prayer, you settle in life. As Luke here is recorded, Luke is recording in chapter 11 this exchange that Jesus has with his disciples. It's really interesting because at the beginning of this chapter, Luke mentions this. He mentions that the disciples are in a certain place and they watch Jesus pray. And after they watch him pray, they ask him, teach us to pray. Now, I want to tell you why that's significant, because these disciples are grown men. They are sons of the commandment. They've gone through bar mitzvah. They they understand the holy scriptures, and these men have probably been praying for a significant part of their life. But I'm not gonna bother this, but this something is worth exploring. So they learned to pray religiously, and then they saw Jesus pray. And then they say, you doing something the people in church wasn't doing. Okay, see, are y'all okay? come on. They say, I'm looking at what I've been taught to do and I'm looking at what you're doing and what you're doing is not only different than what I've been taught to do, you get different kind of results. When you do it, you walk on water. When you do it, trees dry up. When you do it, dead men like Lazarus come leaping out of the grave. What I learned to do is one thing, I want you to teach me to do it. Am I making sense? And sometimes it's easy to stay stuck in the area because you're in love with who taught you a thing so much that you can't revisit what you've been taught. Did, did, did you hear what I just said? I said it's, po- <laughs> it's possible to love, a, love people who taught me a thing so much that you never re-look at what you were taught. And it don't mean they were bad people. It just means they're not perfect people. And so because they're not perfect people, everything they taught us wasn't right. Does that make sense? So you would hope every generation gets better. So my hope is when I'm in heaven, those that I have taught, are y'all following me? Would grow and evolve and to be able to see where they need to eat fish and throw our bones. Watch this they say teach us how to pray and Jesus gives them what's called the model prayer or the Lord's Prayer he gives them a pattern for prayer got me now Luke doesn't even give us the entire prayer Luke just summarizes it because Luke is making another point here so Luke doesn't. so here in Luke 11 you won't see the entirety of the Lord's Prayer because that's not what Luke is getting to Luke is getting to something different so Luke just gives you the first part of it and Luke says okay hey when you pray Luke says, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. When uh, other gospel writers say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So Luke is, Luke, Luke knows the prayer, but he's skipping intentionally. He's summarizing. But, but, but something that he says that's so important, he says this, he says, when you pray, say, Our Father. Now that's important. What's it? The, the gender, the, the, the term father, the gender's not necessarily important. It's It's relational. You got me? He's saying father, because the issue is not gender, because God's genderless, but but the issue is relational. He says, I want you to pray like you're talking to somebody that you've got a relationship with. Because how you talk to God isn't just an indication of what you believe about God. It's an indication of what you feel about you when you start going to God, giving God all these disclaimers before you make a request, God, I know, Lord, listen. Where is my church? I need somebody in the chat to scream at your boy. Come on, when you go to God, say, now, Lord, listen, you know, your boy had a rough week this week a little I know I don't deserve it That's somebody that's talking to a judge That's not somebody who is talking to their father And I pray that someone that is watching this message shifts the way you're conversating with God and move from a person who is talking to a judge and start behaving like a person that's talking to their father. Because your daddy know you crazy. Y'all not talking to me. David said this in Psalms 103 as a father pities his children so the Lord pities those that fear him. He knows our frame and he remembers that we are nothing but dust. When you go to your, you don't make disclaimers with your friends. Your friend be like, what you did? You be like, friends, something stupid. Just Stupid. So, so many of us, you're talking to a judge. And we're missing the revelation in the word Father. If we don't see him as a father in Luke, you cannot obey the right of Hebrews who tells you to go boldly. You don't go boldly before a judge. You go timidly before a judge. You go boldly before family. Your children come in your room boldly. This is why you got to lock the door and tell them, I said knock before. You better knock. Boldly, our Father, so important. See him that way. Now, can can I just, I got a few minutes. Can I have like nine more minutes? Here it is now, because I want us to understand this, because I I think it breaks open your prayer life when you get this part right. You understand? That your worth issue is settled by Jesus. All your disclaimers add nothing to the value of your prayer. It's not your disclaimers that get you access to his ear. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus is your priest now. Is that the book? So, so, so what, what in the Old Testament, what physical priests, literal priests used to do physically is what Jesus does spiritually. He stands in the gap between you and the father and so when you're asking God to do something for you and you use Jesus's name Jesus is saying do it for me are y'all catching this he ever lives to make intercession for us so that's why we go in his name next week I'm gonna talk a little bit about prayers of authority and this is why when someone is, when you're binding and loosing and, or, or, or things of that particular nature, where, where it's one thing to talk to God about your problems. It's another thing to talk, to talk to your problems about God. That's like a prayer of authority. That's not supplication. You're not asking God to do something. You're telling something that you got authority over to do something. You do it in Jesus' name because that's the badge of authority. Did you hear what I just said? that's the badge of authority so we have uh, police officers that help us with traffic they help keep us safe see it doesn't matter the size of the police officer what matters is the badge that badge says I got backing I got authority when you use the name of Jesus you're showing the devil a badge and you're saying it may look like it's just one of me but don't let me get on this radio I got some people that'll pull up pull up on the devil and let the devil know you are trespassing on God's property I knew I shouldn't have used this mic today I'm about this mic this handheld mic that make me act like I'm in Mississippi Our Father are y'all ready for this now there's something else we got to get with this because the writer uses the term father not just relationally but also to adjust our expectations about what our experience will be with God's love because some of us call him father but expect a mother's love And so when he doesn't love you like a mother, you can question if he loves you. Now I'm generalizing. When I say mother, of course I'm generalizing here, right? Okay. What do you mean, mother? I'm generalizing. I'm generalizing. Gotta make a point. Here it is. When When we don't understand that, we don't understand that God's assignment to the Father is cultivation, not coddling. Got me? As a father, I don't coddle. I love. I express empathy. I comfort. I don't coddle. I cultivate. I cultivate character in you. I prepare you I prepare you my job is to love you in a way that I prepare you for a world outside my house that don't love you like I do and if I don't prepare you to thrive outside my house in a world that does not love you the way that I love you then I'm not serving you I'm using you as a child to deal with my emotional issues as an adult so this is why, did you hear what I just said it's a father's love that'll tell Paul I know you want that thorn gone but I'm gonna let it stay there my grace is to If I was coddling you, I'd just remove the pain. But because I'm trying to cultivate something in you, I'm just going to tell you, my grace is sufficient. You'll be all right. God doesn't love me. Yes, He does. He's loving you with a Father's love, He's modeling a love that doesn't coddle, but a love that cultivates. Say that my job is not just to make you feel good. My job is to cultivate the things in you that you need to do good and live good outside my house in a world that will not treat you the way I treat you. Now this is what's so dope about the I don't know if y'all ready for this theologically but we've been rocking together since 05 we we go way back okay so uh, God is so sovereign that he models the love himself and then pours out his love God's love Romans has been shed abroad in our hearts pours out that love on the inside of us So that if you are a woman who has a child and the father of that child has the inability or unwillingness to provide that kind of love, the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of you will empower you y'all not y'all not see see how I just will empower you to make sure that your child doesn't suffer just because someone else won't be responsible he said i'll put it in you come on now and, and so this is why when kevin durant who's a famous basketball player received the most valuable player award as being the best player in the nba for a year he got up and gave his speech and told his mama mama you the real mvp because my daddy wasn't there to make me do push-up push-up you made me do push ups. You made me get out there and run around. Are y'all okay? Y'all, y'all want me to hoop? Or y'all, y'all want some real word? Say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. And, and, and Luke goes down to summarize a prayer. He doesn't finish the Lord's Prayer, but Luke does something different that's, that's distinct from the other gospel writers. He doesn't end the prayer. He goes right to a parable. And he says, say for example, you go to somebody's house and they're your friend. And it's late, but you need some bread. And they say, it's too late. I'm in bed. My kid's in bed. I am not getting up to give you any bread. Luke says... (laughs) <laughs> even though you got a relationship with them and they won't do it because of relationship right. even, though you've made a, even though you've made a request of them they won't do it because of the request Luke says because of your shameless audacity Come on. Come on, yeah. <laughs> your willingness to say I know you didn't give me the answer I want. But I'm going to keep asking. Are y'all ready for this? This is what I call prevailing prayer. Some people are prayers but they do not understand the principle Luke's trying to communicate here because in the Lord's prayer, he gives us the pattern for prayer. He talks about the priority of prayer, but in the parable, he shows us the power of persistence in prayer. So you can prioritize prayer and you can have the right pattern in prayer. But if you're not persistent in prayer, there are going to be some things you could have that you won't have because you weren't willing to keep asking. said, you keep on asking now watch what he says so he says so now you need to know asking it shall be given seeking you shall find knocking the door shall be open he's pointing to the persist, the importance of persistence in prayer this is something people who are who are more tenured in the faith would call praying through they would say pray through pray pray through pray, pray through times where where it, it, are y'all all right yeah. okay uh, can, can I give you three things to pray through and then I go y'all know I like to get points pray through number 1 pray through silence And I know there are some of you, every time you pray, God talk to you. He comes sit right on your bed, answer your prayers. He speaks loud and clear. Every time you pray, God show you exactly what to do. But there are some others of us who say there are sometimes I pray passionately and I pray sincerely and I pray faith filled and I get silence. Am I talking to anybody that's ever prayed and heard nothing? What do I do? I pray through silence. I pray through silence because God, God's actions are always intentional. And so, so, what does it mean? It means that his actions are never an end unto themselves, they're always a means to an end. So, whatever he's doing something we can see, he's doing it for a reason we can't see. So, when he's doing something, he's doing something intentionally. So, if he's doing nothing, he's doing nothing intentionally. But if he's doing nothing intentionally, that means he's doing something. So, if he's saying something, he's saying something. And if he's not saying something, he's still saying something. By not saying something, He says, sometimes I'm silent because there's something I want you to do in the silence. Sometimes I'm silent because I'm using the silence to build something in you that would not be built in you any other way. I use silence. Silence is the way, one of the ways he builds long faith. It's one thing to have strong faith. It's nothing to have long faith. Strong faith, how big can you believe? Long faith, how long can you believe? Can you keep on believing? When it seemed like he's silent. I know we can't touch anybody. So don't touch your neighbor because I don't want to start a fight. But somebody in here just say it so your neighbor can hear it. Say pray through. <laughs> I don't care if God's saying nothing pray through it I, I don't care if you still confused to tomorrow just like you are today pray through it I don't care if you feel like he's mad at you and not speaking to you for a reason pray through it because when you pray through it it's cultivating something on the inside of you it's building long faith on the inside of you push through silence here it is number two push through stubbornness you ever dealt with some stubborn situations stuff you were praying about that wouldn't move wouldn't change when you're praying it's one thing to pray to hear something and God's silent it's another thing for you to pray for God to do something and that thing won't move if I stop praying when God's silent, I'm going to settle on some things. And if I stop praying when things are stubborn, I'm going to settle. I'm done. I got one more. You're right. Okay. All right. You're right. I say that is two. And you said three. They said, I am not settling. You gave me, you said, I'm getting three points. I'm not settling for two. I want all three of my points. God gave them to you for me. Give them to me. (laughs) Push through the silence, push through the stubbornness. Number three, push through the stones. These are hard things that are being thrown in your direction in an attempt to mess up your connection. You'll be praying about one thing. Now here comes the devil throwing a stone. You'll be fighting your way through one situation. Now here comes another stone. And the stones are, the, those stones cannot bring the destruction that the devil wants us to think they can bring but those stones are used by the enemy as a distraction to stop you from praying through the best example of this besides Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane is Jacob when he wrestled with God and the angel said let me go he would not settle he said I will not let you go until you bless me. So maybe you're praying about your finances. Maybe you're praying about your relationships. Maybe you're praying about your career. Maybe you're praying about just heartache that you're dealing with. Maybe you're praying about grief you're trying to get over. I don't know what you're praying about, but God's word to us today is don't stop. Until you get enough. The, the, the word is to pray through. Acts 12 Peter was in prison. The Bible said, and the church prayed. Didn't it didn't just say they prayed, it said they prayed earnestly. Read the book earnestly. They labored in prayer, they had to pray through disappointment. They knew it was a possibility it could happen to Peter because Herod had already imprisoned James, the brother of John, and killed him. So all the disciples were targets. So they probably prayed for it not to happen, and it still happened. When you pray for it not to happen, and it still happened, pray through. Don't stop praying because something that you prayed, that you prayed against still happened. If God doesn't protect me from it, he's going to preserve me in it. Pray through it. And so what God is trying to do in our hearts today is to raise up some resilience. Because there are some things that we have accepted as unchangeable that God can change as long as there's breath in your family members body there is time for them to change pray through I don't care if they say they hate God pray through if they come from your womb God says the fruit of my womb is blessed so you pray through If there are some things that you believe should have happened for you by now and for whatever reason they have not happened and you can easy it's easy to assume that because they haven't happened now they will never happen you're settling see how old Colonel Sanders was when he started KFC see some limitations are self-imposed limitations Pray through. Some of you have been praying over habits and behaviors that are bringing you pain and shame. You've been praying over it so long, you tired of going back to God about it, going back to God about it. You've been praying about it so long, you're almost embarrassed to keep talking to God about it. pray through. Listen to me. Here's a note. Somebody put this in the chat. The cost of quitting is greater than the pain of your disappointment. I know when you pray and then when I pray and it doesn't happen the way we envisioned it happening, that that can be disappointing. But I'm telling you, the cost of quitting is greater than the pain of your disappointment. If you quit, it's gonna cost you way more than disappointment. And I feel so confident in saying this, guys, that if in any way God has assigned me to be a voice that contributes to your spiritual formation, I can say with confidence, there's no way you're supposed to settle. Cause that ain't even in line with my assignment. I wasn't born for settlers. I know my purpose. I know who I'm for. And if God has assigned me in any way to spiritually contribute to your life, it's because settling is not supposed to be your portion. I came to push you out of that today I came to say you will not stay there today I came to get you to dust your dreams back off the shelf today I came to get you to limit those limiting beliefs I came to tell you that if God be for you he is more than the world against you I came to tell you that if he put it on the inside of you he wants to pull it out of you I came to tell you not to settle for the wilderness when Canaan can be your destination Somebody shout, I refuse to settle. Now, do you believe an evil spirit can contribute to greed? Do you believe an evil spirit can contribute to self-sabotage and self-destructive behavior? Then we can also believe an evil spirit can contribute to settling. That the devil wants me to settle. So refusing to settle is an act of spiritual warfare. You cannot settle. Father, I pray today using the authority you have given us in the name of Jesus, We pray that you would restrict, that you would prohibit, that you would bind the work of the enemy as he attempts to influence your people to settle. I pray that you would guard our minds from the lies. That he is implanting in them telling us it's too late we've made too many mistakes it cannot happen we are damaged goods we say the truth of your word we say the devil is a liar we we pray God that you would deliver us from those word curses those 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 curses that have that have come in our minds as a result of those words I just I just pray in the name of Jesus father I just pray even right now, that you would undo the impact of words that have been spoken into the lives of your people by people that said they love them. Words that have called them to think small and not big. To think less of themselves instead of seeing themselves as you see them. I pray for deliverance and freedom from the bondage of settling. And we say in the language of antiquity, we are running trying to make a hundred because 99 and a half just won't do. If you agree with your pastor, say amen. Clap your hands in here. Come on, church. Drop some fire in that chat. I feel his presence.